from Captain Kirk. Fascinating. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you, thank you. Love you. Most illogical. I saw it. Well, that was different. It was but different. Places, please. And here we go. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, bears, Cardassians, and things to episode 101 of the Muppet Trek podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Jarman, and we're here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. And what are those, Steve? The Muppets and Star Trek. Mm. We've been doing one-to-one reviews of The Muppet Show and now Star Trek The Animated Series. And tonight we're covering The Muppet Show with special guest star Joan Baez and Star Trek Animated Series episode Albatross. It's good times. Uh, And who is this person, uh, this Joan Baez? So uh, she's a uh, a singer-songwriter who performed at Woodstock. And while she has written her own music, most of her career has been defined by her doing other people's work. Doing oh, I covers. didn't know that. Okay. Uh, she has released iconic recording versions of songs by the Beatles, the Rolling Stones. But she was one of the first people to cover Bob Dylan, mm. uh, Natalie Merchant, and Ryan Adams for more recent. Uh, and currently she is 82 and still puttering, puttering around New York City. And uh, she has been politically active and social. Uh, for years and years, and has been an activist. Uh, puttering around makes me think of her like in a scooter, all angry and running over people's feet and stuff like that. Uh, she is eighty-two, so <laughs> I'm Joan Baez. Get out of my way. <laughs> uh, but what's on the up happening on the Muppet Show this week? Backstage, rats are everywhere, and they won on the show. Kermit tells Beauregard to take care of them, but Beauregard is an idiot and thinks that he wants them to like be treated as guests, and they elect Beauregard their president. Uh, meanwhile, in Joan's dressing room, Joan does a Marlon Brando impression, and Piggy is vastly disappointed. Uh, she then sings The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down. The rats barge in and threaten to take over the show by force, which I love. <laughs> Kermit wants Beauregard to get rid of the rats. Beauregard refuses, and Kermit fires him. Uh, Beauregard heads to his storeroom. Piggy is there, uh, and she consoles him, and they talk to the rats about how they took advantage of him and they're not making people happy and entertaining people. And the rats are like, Oh, that's all we got to do to get food is entertain people. Let's go. Uh, so the rats go to Kermit. They want a permanent spot on the show. Joan talks Kermit into it. And everyone, including the rats uh, starts a number backstage on stage this week. Uh, we get the opening number with woodland critters singing man, smart critter, smarter Then they commit a terrorist act and blow up a local plant killing hundreds. Joan hits the stage. She performs Honest Lullaby, where she's in sort of uh, a kid's room singing about uh, the song is actually about her son, but about growing up and her own her own upbringing. It's like a sweet, subtle song. Yeah. Uh, After this, we get the crew of the Swine Trek um, where. The, the rats have come and take over and Lynn Cogthorpe handles them and more rats show up. Uh, next, we have uh, Zoot and Janice singing uh, Blackbird, not Zoot, Floyd. I'm such a what a shame. Floyd Pepper and Janice <laughs> uh, singing Blackbird by the Beatles uh, up in a tree looking at a bird. Mm-hmm. Fozzie then hits the stage, joined by Woodland Critters, telling uh, lots of like woodland and tree kind of jokes. But even this crowd doesn't like it like, at all. <laughs> And his mother attempts to kill him with a rock. Fozzie's mother? Yeah, they, she, a rock comes flying at him. And he goes, it's okay, mom, I'll get off the stage. Oh, I missed that like one. That. <laughs> it was like a one-off, but I was like, oh, my God. Jeez. Uh, 
a so then this is where what happens on stage makes no sense. So after Fozzie is on stage, presumably, all of a sudden, a ton of Muppets in the two giant circles show up with Joan in the middle in the middle of a song. <laughs> Will the circle be unbroken? Presumably, this is what the audience sees. <laughs> Uh, Kermit thanks Joan once more. The rats attempt to steal his identity and they eventually like body snatch the entire cast, <laughs> including Statler and Waldorf. And this is what we call the Muppet show chaos. So Jarman, what did you think of this episode with Joan Baez? I liked it a lot. I think Joan was a great host. Um, she was a lot more funny than I thought she would be because she seemed kind of serious for her first number doing the bed bedtime story. But then she did like a Marlon Brando impression and she was doing voices and like making such silly jokes. And she seemed really comfortable with the Muppets. She didn't seem like she was uncomfortable at all. And she was a decent comedic actress as well. Um, the only thing I didn't like was that there was I think it was lacking a lot of story for each individual scene. Like and not just one of the Joan Baez, but like it just felt like it was song after song after song. And there wasn't a whole lot of like good sketches. Um, I mean, there's the Muppets. Uh, not Muppets, the uh the pigs in space was like one pigs of the space, few yeah. examples of that. But what also made up for that though, was Rizzo being in his first, basically first episode of having lines and stuff and being Rizzo, not just a random rat. Uh, he always had clothes on and stuff. I feel like, I think this was his first official episode. If I saw that in trivia, but um, I love Rizzo. So I was really, yeah, happy like to see kind of various proto versions of Rizzo has shown up. And yeah. Like, I think we've heard Steve Whitmire use the voice once or two, but this is kind of like, the first time it is Rizzo. Yeah. And I, so I love the rats taking over and stuff. So like overall, even though I didn't, you know, I wish there was more like sketches with her and she did more of that. I liked, I liked it as a whole because she was really decent and they did Blackbird, which was my wife's favorite song uh, from the Beatles. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> what about you? I agree. She was perfectly serviceable. She did well. Um, we did get a few familiars like uh, the swine track pigs in space um, but otherwise, you're right. It wasn't very sketch heavy in that regard. There was kind of a lot of slower times in the episode. Yeah, that's true. Um, but that being said, the the rats taking over driving the backstage plot driving kind of is what sort of saved saved the episode. Yeah, definitely made it more memorable because um, otherwise this would just kind of be like a middle of the road episode. But luckily, there's a backstage plot to, to dig it out. Yeah, because she wasn't any like memorable sketches that would s stick out. You know, it's just kind of like, oh, she's a pretty singer. That was nice. And that was about it. You know, right. right exactly. Um, so that being said, you know, it's not going to be top, probably not going to be bottom. It's a land right in the middle and we'll never talk about it. again. <laughs> probably not. Except for Rizzo. But otherwise. Uh, all right. Music this week. Man Smart Critter Smarter. This is uh, it's a play on a song called Man Smart Woman Smarter. Ah. Um, no one really knows who wrote it. It is credited to four different people. Hmm. However, it was made famous by one Harry Belafonte in 1960 ah. when he did this uh, on his big tour of Japan at the time. And of course, Harry Belafonte is a former Muppet Show guest and one of our, I think, my top three currently. Yeah, and that's why I noticed it had kind of an islandish background drum. Very Calypso-y feel. Yeah, Calypso-y yeah. feel, yeah. Uh, honest Lullaby, this is from her 19th studio album of the same name, Joan Baez. And this came out the year before this episode, and this song was likely what she was pushing on this appearance. Ah, gotcha. That album is likely why she was on The Muppet Show doing press. Uh, Blackbird by The Beatles and from The White Album, over the years, Paul McCarthy has 
has changed the explanation as to where the song came from. Back in the day, he maintained that he had heard a blackbird when the Beatles were doing acid and transcendental meditation in India. Oh, boy. Uh, later on, he claimed that it was he he said that he got asked about it a lot and he kind of made something up each time. And he said, one of the times when I was making it up, I kind of remembered the real reason. And so he claimed that uh, it was an analogy for like black people in the southern U.S., like taking a broken system and waiting for their moment to arise. Uh-huh. Which is like a nice explanation, but it feels like if that was really it, you would have thought about it. Before. Maybe kind of tacked on a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it might be a little tacked on. Um, Will the Circle Be Unbroken? This is a Christian hymn written in 1907 by Habershon and Gabriel. Uh, but most of the time, their names don't appear on music or recordings or anything because this song drifted into the public domain a hot minute ago. And so they're not they're not required. So they're not they're never listed. Oh, uh, I definitely recognize it's like it. one of the most popular hymns and they get no credit. <laughs> How nice. Uh, so, Jeremy, what did you think was the best Muppeteering moment this week? A kind of a cop out for me, but also I just want to I'm shouting out to all the rats and Rizzo because they were throughout this whole episode in all different kind of settings and, and movements and being thrown the around. Costumes yeah. And- dancing around in that fridge was, you know, accomplishment. And just the fact that they. Such a simple puppet with like one mouth movement and barely any movements otherwise is so looks so alive and we believe it's a living creature, you know, even though it looks it's such a simple puppet. So I think that's just really cool all around. Uh, I'm going to give it to um, the closing number. Will the circle be unbroken? Because while it was not outstanding, there were a lot like a ton of Muppets. That's true. And it was the first time I thought it was interesting. They did that uh, like double circle thing with like an inner circle of Muppets and outer circle of Muppets and I thought that was interesting and you, you got to see a lot more of them and it's like some green screen regard, going it, on too kind of it might have been some camera trick maybe I don't think green screen quite existed yet but uh, True. Jim did do that like black screen stuff yeah with velvet and um so I just because there were so many and it was in a form I don't think I'd ever seen them before I was like oh okay that's pretty cool it was cool looking yeah yeah <laughs> uh, so, Jarman, what happened on this week's episode of Star Trek, the animated series? This week we have Albatross, uh, which they vaguely explain why that name is there later, which I'll get to. But uh, Kirk, Spock and Bones are on the planet Dramia to deliver medical supplies. And all seems to be going well until something suddenly they give a legal warrant to arrest Bones. And apparently they think he caused a plague on their other planet, very creatively called Dramia 2, uh, 19 years ago. So they arrest him. And so Kirk and Spock take to the Enterprise to go to Dramia 2 to investigate what really must have happened. And they have to go fast because apparently Draymond, as they're called Draymonds, the the aliens, uh, their justice is very Mm. swift and without much of a fair trial at all, mostly kangaroo courts. So on the way to Dramia 2, they realize they're being followed by another Draman. So they pretend not to see him as he boards their ship and they detain him once he gets on board, but they let him accompany them to the planet's surface. So they find this planet devastated and deserted, uh, but eventually find someone watching them, and they follow him into a cave. And apparently he's a feral uh, Draman who returned to the planet after the plague, not knowing what had happened, and he's been stuck there ever since. But then in the cave is another Draman, and this one is an old guy named Cole Tai, who apparently survived the plague, but doesn't know why. But he vouches for Bones' character because Bones had just saved him from another illness before the plague hit. So he doesn't believe the same doctor that would save his life would then go and kill all those people. So they decide to take Koltai back with them to Dramia as evidence of Bones' innocence. 
But on the way back, however, the whole ship gets the same plague from 19 years before. This first turns them blue, then green, and then it's supposed to turn them red right before they're about to die. But luckily, Vulcans are not affected. So while everyone else is sick, Spock goes down to Dramia to jailbreak Bones and bring him back to the ship so he can cure the plague. And Bones and Spock figure out that the color changing is not related to the illness, but rather a nearby aurora is affecting the bodies of people who have illnesses. They turn those colors. And that's why they changed color. That felt. Yeah. Okay. It was like, okay. All right. But they were basically, they were calculating how to cure the illness based on this color change. But apparently the color change was just a red herring and didn't matter. So with new calculations and the fact that they figure out why Cole Ty survived the plague is that Bones had just treated him for a different illness. And that gave him the antibodies to the plague by accident. So they then treat the whole crew with the same treatment they gave Cole Ty, and everyone is healed. Then they go down to the planet with their drama and witness, and they forgive everyone, and Bones is freed. And we have a happy ending. So, Steve, what do you think of Albatross? Um, all right. So some things I, I liked. It was a strong opening, like them going down, Bones immediately being under arrest. He's a murderer. Like, that was a good, strong opening yeah. statement. I feel like the rest of the episode just went out with a whimper, though. Mm-hmm. Like, the no conflict ever escalated. Like, they were running for a while, and then they got a little bit of information, and then everyone was sick. And I was like, oh. <laughs> so the episode, the episode's, like, over for most of the cast? All right, cool. <laughs> um, I did think the changing colors thing was interesting. It was cute. Certainly not something we had d- seen before, and it really did lend this, like, what the hell kind of disease is this? And they're like, oh, he's turning purple. He's almost going to die. Like, that's the color before you die. I was like, oh, okay. Got it. Got it's a it. color clock. Um, But for a, a episode that was so bone-centric, they took him out of play for such a huge chunk of it that I was like, oh, this feels like a waste. Yeah, like he wasn't in most of the episode. Yeah, they took him, and then most of the episode happened, and then Spock jailbroke him, and then he had, like, one scene or two scenes after that, and the episode was over. I was like, oh, okay. He did get to say, um, I'm a doctor, several times, which I liked. <laughs> he did. He did say that a good amount. Um, and then the Dramians were, I don't know, they were a pretty good alien race, like, like monstrous, but just humanoid enough to be understandable. Kind of creepy I did, like, looking. the idea that they were, like, avenging their planet. Yeah. You know, there was some of that. But the fact that there's like everyone died except for these guys, they can tell you what happened. I was like, okay, what? Hold on. <laughs> that was far too convenient. Uh, <laughs> we forgot to mention that a lot of people came back to the planet or living there. Some now. people came back, but then they went nuts. <laughs> um, so <laughs> they yeah, went just, nuts. It just felt like there was a big chunk in the middle where nothing really happened. And then for a Bones episode, it was an underwhelming Bones episode. It's weird for me. Like, I felt like it went pretty quick. And like, it was, I thought it was some of the same good points you mentioned, like a different story with like, it was like interesting about what was happening. We didn't see like a story just like this on the original series. That's true. So many episodes are just copies and the exact same Rehash. kind of plot. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of science involved in, with the medicine. It wasn't the good science necessarily, but it was, you know, techie and nice sciencey and cool. And uh there's some action and then there was uh I really liked that there was a really extended fun scene at the end. Maybe they ran out of plots, so they had this longer scene at the end that usually is very short where everything's wrapped up and they're kind of ribbing each other at the end. And this mm-hmm. one was actually like much longer than usual and I really kind of enjoyed the goofiness between them. Um 
Or Spock's like, Hippocrates would not have approved of lame excuses, doctor. I was like, that sounds great. Um, so, yeah, I, I actually like this a lot more than I thought I would. Um, and it was it just felt like went right by really fast. And they also mentioned the Hall of Justice, which is hilarious because the Brahmins have a Hall of Justice like the Justice League. So that was pretty funny. That's where Superman is. That's right. He lives on this planet, Dromeo One. Yeah, Drojo. Drojo One. So, actually, this is like surprisingly towards the top of season two for me right now. Wow, really? Yeah, because it felt like a really quick and well-done cartoon episode that went by fast, had a good plot. It had some funny moments. Um, Mind you, season two only has like, what, six episodes? Exactly. (laughs) So you might be right. Like, I could get to the end of the season and go, wow, that was one of the better ones. I mean, it's Um, not going to be Bem. So, uh, you know, it's certainly not going to be Bem. I agree with that. Um, so, so maybe you're right. Maybe I'm not thinking about, maybe I'm thinking about this in context of the entire show and not of in this season. There were much better season one episodes for sure. Um, so some trivia for this thing, just a couple little things. Uh, the title albatross is most likely referring to the metaphorical usage of the word albatross that has its origins in Samuel Taylor Coleridge's poem, the rhyme of the ancient mariner, where the albatross symbolizes a psychological burden that feels like a curse. And in this story, Bones is in a sort of similar way haunted by the possibility that his actions may have, in, in fact, somehow caused an outbreak of a disastrous plague that completely eradicated the population of an entire planet. So he has like that albatross around his neck, but it's really reaching. And I think it's a terrible name for this episode. Um, uh, this installment apparently contradicts the writer's director's guide for Star Trek, the original series, which describes Bones as having joined Starfleet only in middle age after he was divorced. That would mean he couldn't have worked in Dramia 2 during his early adulthood. But others say maybe he was there in a different capacity, just as a, a traveling doctor or something, you know, not necessarily with Starfleet, but it's hard to say. But that's a nitpicky thing. There's not much trivia for these episodes. So that was pretty much about it. So, Steve, what are our Trek Connection Muppet Connections for this episode? Oh, boy, they are a doozy. Well, one of them's a gimme. In the song Honest Lullaby, Joan's talking about sort of her own youth and the things that her son loves, and she mentions that he loves enterprise communicators. Uh-huh. It's like one of the things in his room. Uh, and then both Leonard Nimoy and Joan Baez released covers of the song If I Were a Carpenter by Bobby Darren. I have it on CD. <laughs> Thank God that Leonard Nimoy had a weird music career because it has helped me with so many of these. <laughs> if you listen to it, it's pretty painful. Listen to it. Um, if I were this a is not, This is not a connection. This is just something weird I found during this. Mm-hmm. So just know this is not a connection. Okay. Uh, so in 1987, there was like a mockumentary style movie named Bruno that came out. Yeah. It starred Bruce Willis playing a fake rock and roll star. It looks very much in the vein of like, this is spinal tap or walk hard. Okay. And in the movie, they interview all these actual musicians and get them to attest to like Bruno's brilliance and how he had influence on their careers. Uh, And among all of these musicians, one of them was Joan Baez (laughs) Uh, and also Elton John, former guest. Wow. This is a 97 (laughs) movie. 87. Oh, 87. Bruce, Bruce Willis. It's the beginning of his career. Yeah. Weird. He isn't a band. Or he just tries to be in a band for a long time. He had like a semi-hit back in the late 80s, early 90s, too. There we go. Sorry, I got that name wrong. It's The Return of Bruno. The Return of Bruno. Return of Bruno. And it looks very much like Walk Hard. 
he had that song, uh, Express Yourself. <laughs> that was the one song Bruce Willis released. All right. That was very uh, neat. Uh, yeah. Considering yeah, this is the so, same episodes here. These two are just exactly I mean, the same. I'm surprised I didn't find more. I agree. <laughs> well, both of them feature mistaken identities. Piggy comes in expecting Joan Baez, but instead gets Marlon Brando. And the Dramians think McCoy is a murderer, but instead they find that he's not a murderer. Oh, I have something so similar. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, both have a character figuring out that someone was not who they hoped they would be. Because <laughs> Kirk, Spock, and McCoy with the Draman Supreme Prefect, when all okay. all seems well, and then he accuses Bones of murder. And Miss Piggy meeting Joan Baez when she turns around doing her Marlon Brando impersonation. <laughs> Very nice. Both feature an unwelcome guest on a spaceship. The stowaway, or the, I guess, br- broken entering, I guess, uh, uh, on the yeah. Enterprise and the rats on the swine track. That's a good one. Uh, both contain something infesting a planet that is killing the indigenous life. Uh, the factories making the animals sick and the man smart critter smart number on the Muppets and the okay. Aurora Plague on Star Trek. I can see it. Yeah, I can see it's it. very true. Oh, God. Oh, what's Transporter that? malfunction. <laughs> Transporter malfunction. All right, it's so a part of the episode where we transport one character from one episode to the other, and then vice versa. So what you got for Steve? Trek to Muppets this week. I'm going to bring over the Dramians and replace the rats, them trying to take over the Muppet show and find a new home after being forced from their planet by disease. <laughs> so much more serious. <laughs> but in the end, they know that they have to sing and dance for food. <laughs> dance, aliens, dance. Uh, Star Trek to Muppets, I'd have Spock go over to take the place of Beauregard. I think it'd be hilarious to have him become the president of the rats. <laughs> it is only logical that I am president. I uh, can reach the high shelves. <laughs> and also having him just being the jander of the Muppet Theater would be hilarious. I don't know why. Kermit firing Spock. Uh, I understand. Thank you. Uh, Muppets to Trek. I'm going to bring over the rats. Uh, and <laughs> instead of a sickness where they all change colors, they're just all sl- slowly changing to rats. <laughs> Really New York rats with New York accents, too. Or like, that's what's after purple is they turn into rats. <laughs> uh, Muppets of Star Trek, I'd have Joan Baez come over to replace the old Draman Cole Ty who survived the plague. Uh, she could tell Kirk the story of what happened with Bones through a folksy song in the cave, and that'd be wonderful. <laughs> that would be wonderful. You're not wrong. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that brings us to the end of episode 101 of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for The Muppet Show with special guest Shirley Bassey. An animated series episode, How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> so from the lovers, the dreamers, and us. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Muppet Trek Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds.